people will like see themselves in the store and be like, I know that's that time in college when we did the thing. And I was like, that, I forgot we did the thing actually, but no, that's Angela not you. Bassett did the thing. <laughs> Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it cause it's your business, your business, business. What's up, what's up, good people? Welcome into Montgomery and Company. Excited today because y'all know I love TV and we have an amazing guest. But before we have our guest, let me talk about the NBA. So if you guys don't know, DeMar DeRozan's daughter had to be removed from the arena for actual serious threats. Crazy. We're going to get into it in a little bit more. But back to who we have on the show. Carla Banks Waddle. So if you guys know, we love the show Bel Air around here. Season two is underway. The season finale is next week. And we have the writer, executive producer, the showrunner. We got all of it. And it's all in one person. Miss Carla Banks. Tap in today. She drops a lot of gems. Okay, so the sports world is sporting. There's a lot going on. There's the NHL. There's the NBA playoffs. There's WNBA training camp around the corner. We just had our draft. But speaking of WNBA, there's also NASCAR. And we're going to have a NASCAR driver coming up soon. So just letting you guys know, like, we getting all up in it, okay? F1, you next. But in the WNBA world, some news did drop. And this was from at Christina on Twitter. Christina Williams is a W member, media member, covers a lot of things. And she said, breaking. The WNBA is expanding their charter flights program for players this season. It will include flights for all postseason games, WNBA Commissioner's Cup championship game, select regular season games where teams have back-to-back games on their schedule. So, I mean, for anybody that's been following anything about the WNBA women's sports, this is definitely growth because there's been a lot of conversations. The players have been very outspoken and vocal about This is some of the type of changes they want to see. So that is the first step. As we know, the players want full season charter flights and things of that nature, but this is definitely the first step. And, you know, there's a lot going on in the the basketball sports world. Shouts to the NFL where Jalen Hurts, and actually this is a report from at Rap Sheet, Ian Rappaport. The Eagles and Jalen Hurts agreed to terms on a five-year, $255 million contract extension that makes him the highest paid player in NFL history. His agent, shout to his agent, man. His agent sent an e- uh, DM to him. His, her name is at Agent Nicole Lynn. So shout to Nicole. She sent a DM to Jalen Hurts basically saying, do you have an agent yet? If not, I would like you to consider of me. And $179 million in guaranteed and no trade cost deal later, Nicole Lynn made Jalen Hurts have the highest paid player contract in NFL history. So I had to shout that out because we love to see it all the way around and also sorry to all the women because Jalen Hurts recently did an interview with Essence where he had to say that he is spoken for he's not married he's not engaged but that man is spoken for a college sweetheart we love to see it now I want to talk a little bit about get a little bit more in depth on the sports side when I break down what everyone's talking about okay and so I'm just going to go ahead and just Read the communications that just set the table. It was from the NBA. Golden State's Draymond Green suspended. 
On April 18, 2023, Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green has been suspended one game without pay for stepping on the chest of Sacramento Kings center DeMontis Sabonis. Now, it was announced today by Joe Dumars, executive vice president, blah, 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 blah. So the conversation has went viral in a sense of people are torn. You know, there's it's almost 50-50. So look, I did a poll even on my Twitter, and I don't even know where it's at right now. And I know Twitter, obviously, is a small sample size, but it's my sample size. So I'm going to start bringing you guys my polls more to the podcast because I like to do polls. Right now, as of right now, 6,559 people have voted. I asked everyone, do you agree or disagree with the Draymond suspension? 53% said, I agree. 47% said, I disagree. It's a small sample size. It's only 6,000 people, but it's a big enough sample size that I can take from the fact that people are torn. On the one hand, some people said that the league released the facts that, okay, there was the history taken into account. A lot of people dislike that because they said, you know, his history doesn't indicate what happened in that moment and there were other circumstances around. And some people were like, yes, finally, Draymond's history is catching up to him. So there, people are torn. Here's my opinion on the whole thing. And I know this is kind of like a dancing around it, but I just wish that the refs, and I'm not one of those people that, because as an athlete, we are always taught, don't focus on the refs. Like if, you, if you're close enough to where the ref can make a call at the end of the game, I've had coaches that say, well, that was your problem then because we know that the refs, you can't trust the refs to make every call right. But I just don't want the refs to be as involved. Like I don't want players, I want to see star players playing. And I'm not saying if a player does something that warrants to be thrown out, of course you have to get thrown out. But I said this the same when I was watching March Madness. I saw that a lot of college players were getting two quick fouls or something in the beginning of the game, and now they can't play for the rest of the half, and we have to wait till the second half to see if they can play. They're out of their rhythm. You know, the stars, we want to see the stars shine in the big moments. And I feel like that's a little bit happening right now in this Draymond Green situation where, yes, I do believe that that was excessive. I kind of pretty much... Like, right when I saw it happen, I said to Serena, I was like, oh, babe, he's going to get a flagrant two. He's out. You know, like, you knew it instantly when you saw it. Adam Silver is sitting in the stands looking. So you knew kind of instantly, boom, he's going to get thrown out. It's a flagrant two. To that point, DeMontis is not out of just the clear two. So I feel like, yes, he had a saying. He grabbed the leg. You know, like, everything that everybody's saying is true. There wouldn't have been a step if there wasn't a grab first from DeMontis. Does that make it okay that Draymond did that? No. So what I'm saying is, yes, two wrongs don't make a right. So let's make it right by allowing Draymond to play in game three. Like I know it's already not going to happen, but I just feel like I would want to see the stars play. Not if they did something that warranted them not playing, but I don't feel that Draymond did enough that should take him out of game three of the NBA playoffs, something that players have worked all year to get to. And I just want, I just want the refs to just allow, like, I mean, the games have been more physical. So shouts to the ref. I know a lot of people don't like that. I like the physicality because I like the fact that you're going to have to figure it out first of all. And that's what it's like in playoffs. I've gotten 
punched, elbowed, hit, my tooth knocked back in, in those high pressure moments. It happens. But then we get to see the stars shine. We saw that with Phoenix and we saw that, you know, with Russell Westbrook for the Clippers and, and Kawhi Leonard. We we are seeing the stars shine when given the opportunity. So I want to continue to see that. So long story short, man, I just wish that Draymond and the Golden State Warriors could be at full strength because now there's going to be this little asterisk and Sacramento Kings have done Nothing to warrant that asterisk. Everything that they've done has shown that they look like the team to beat. And so I just hate that we can't see it full force, not for because, you know, this happens when it comes to injuries. But I just wish we could have watched both teams go head to head with all the players that they have available. And we just had, you know, get your popcorn style live action. So what can you do? I'll be tapped in just like everybody else watching more of playoff action, baby. Let's go. I talked about fans. First of all, what are y'all doing at games? There's fan etiquette. There's a real thing. And yes, let me put a side note that I know that Russell Westbrook has gotten into it with a lot of fans. He recently walked up in, it looked like the lounge, like the lounge 360 place, pulled up on somebody and said, what, what's that stuff you was talking? So I know that there's that type of energy too coming from athletes. But as a whole, fans, most athletes, I'ma just speak from my point of view. When I go to the games, I'm usually going there, obviously to win a game, to compete, to turn up. But I love having fans there. I love, even if I'm on an away game and y'all don't love me. I love that. Like, I want you to boo me because I want you to be a big fan of whoever your team is. Like, I love fans and fandom. But one thing we got to do is figure out where is that fandom line and have you crossed it? Because (laughs) I think Mm. that some fans are starting to not realize there's a line. Like, I don't even really care if you cuss me out, but it's like, Watch what you say if you use derogatory terms as you're cussing me out. So I know that this is a fine line, but the reason that I'm getting into this whole spiel is because there was a post on Bleach Report. I'm sure everybody's heard about it by now. DeMar DeRozan's nine-year-old daughter was escorted out of the Raptors arena by the Bulls security on Wednesday after the team was notified by the NBA that she received severe online threats. You may be asking, why in the world would a nine-year-old of an NBA player be receiving severe threats? Oh, because she was yelling during the game when the She did her job. Yeah, my son does that. Junior does that. Yes, he does. does. (laughs) She was yelling during the game as the opposing team was shooting free throws, and apparently (laughs) when your team misses 18 free throws, (laughs) the fans are going to be mad. And the fans got mad enough to threaten a nine-year-old so bad, you guys, that she was removed from the arena. Like, come on now. Like, what what are we doing? This is literally my fear. Like, when Angel is screaming, like, sometimes I'm like, Angel, keep it down. But Renee literally tells me, that's fine. This is what we're here to do. We're here to yell and scream. But this is literally my fear because I don't want to have to fight anybody, first of all. (laughs) Because... You know, I don't want nobody to come. And and Renee talks to me about this all the time. She's like, you can't fight. I'm like, well, if somebody comes from my baby, I'm going to be forced to to do something. No, we're not. We're too old. No, we're not. <laughs> They've come for me before. No, no, Snook. Yeah, they come for you. And yeah, and, and Diddy was ready to fight. Diddy is the holiest <laughs> man that I know. That I'm telling you, it would have been an unholy beating that was going to happen. Though. <laughs> they put one hand on, on Snook. But my point, I agree 100% with Serena. If you come for my child, 
you don't know what you're going to get. I, there, there, I don't care how old you are, how old I am, how old we can, we can still, because the, the point is, is that, and this is what really upsets me. She's nine. It's, you said she was nine, right? Nine years old. She's nine. And, and the problem is, have these people never heard of Clutch? I mean, you're supposed to yell. Y'all ain't got that clutch, Gene. They ain't got that clutch. I mean, you mad because your team missed 18 free throws. You should be more mad at your team right. than a nine-year-old that, shook you to the core. Right. Amen. They sh- Amen. A nine-year-old shook you to the core. You Amen. couldn't make a shot? Last time that I checked, I remember shooting a game winner for Minnesota against the L.A. Sparks. There was a human that was a fan for the Los Angeles Sparks. It was on their court. He's literally waving his arms beside <laughs> me, almost on the court, trying to distract me to miss the shot. Y'all mean to tell me that this nine-year-old, y'all was really now I know betting look, betting shouts to DraftKings, because they're, you know, they're our whole, you know. It's the reason they're, why they're the people threaten. You know, they're partners of the family. Y'all don't let this betting get to y'all's head a little bit. Like, yeah. I'm positive that DraftKings does not want folks no. threatening a nine-year-old. Do not. Like, just because you messed up on your bet or something's going they on. Do not. Yeah, and I think that's the thing right there. I really think that that's the part that caused a lot of this stir and confusion is betting. And DraftKings is our, our partner. And I know for a fact, on the TV, it tells you, please bet responsibly. <laughs> Which also means have a problem. Call this Which number. also means do not threaten nine year olds because you are losing bets. That's the responsible part of it. That's are the part okay? that people are missing. They're not okay. There's no way in life that that little girl should miss her father's game because these people have undone their lives and bet more money than they had and are losing their shirts. And then another thing is, is that whoever knew that these people were doing this. Y'all are not okay either because there's no way in life I could have a friend that's threatening a nine-year-old. They should be mm-hmm. upset with the players because, you know, you should have ice in your blood. Uh, ice in your veins. times like that when you have to shoot those free throws in stressful situations. Talk I mean, time, really. You got to be able to deliver. And yeah. this is not yeah. their first time. These are professional players. They People have been making noise when they've been shooting shots Forever. since probably they, they were in the bitty ball. Make some noise. That's the, like literally the what it says. Is- they got the little things waving behind the baskets. I mean, come on now. We got to so, start being wow. for real. When Mm-mm. Renee was young, this is in junior high, we were at a away school during a school time game. Mm-hmm. And it was loud and rambunctious in there. Renee, when she went to uh, shoot her foul shots, I mean, the gym erupted. They was doing everything <laughs> but throwing cups on the floor. Renee looked at him, smiled, turned around, swish. <laughs> they did it again. She looked at him, swish like. Go ahead, make your noise. That's the best way to silence the crowd. Make the shot. Make the shot. So that was something that as we, because listen, the NBA playoffs are going on right now, and I'm about to, you know, go on a little ramp of how much I love it. So, Sam, I'm sorry, but every night our night revolves around (laughs) every television in the house (laughs) (laughs) I I was like okay this this needs to stop (laughs) this is can't miss stuff though is can't miss stuff Uh -uh. I'm just saying every time she's asking me like oh because there's movies that we need to watch I'm just gonna be honest like she loves scary movies there's all kinds of scary movies out and everything like that I don't have time right now for the next month like I'm Mm. like I don't know what to tell people even when people are like yeah what you doing friday i'm about to pull up at the hawks game what you doing friday what like what's going on so i apologize for all 
of the NBA fans mm. and myself included and to all the wives and maybe even mm. the husbands that- On, and the mothers because <laughs> let me tell you what happened in my household that I came home to one day one day I came home and I realized that they had been watching basketball 24 so I'm like what <laughs> channel is this yeah, on well the husband and the son the little son the nine-year-old have conspired and got NBA league pass so now <laughs> and didn't even tell you didn't even tell me so now before he goes to bed he gets up first thing in the morning before school there's basketball he comes Love in it. the door just a couple minutes ago basketball at night it's basketball we are basketball 24 hours a day with nba league pass <laughs> shouts out to nba if y'all want to sponsor us well, i got one in my house right now who wants <laughs> who would be loved to be sponsored but to adam silver for giving me the free league pass at the beginning of the season i didn't oh, get yes. to shout you out when it happened so i'm glad you said that cole because i yes, do get thank free you league adam pass. silver I, I, yes. Thank, yes thank shouts you shouts to adam silver even though i know that a lot of people ain't shouting out adam silver right now but i want to shout out I'm super show him love just for the league pass, but that's what's up. Okay. That's well. what's up. And so here's some other things that happened that I thought was pretty incredible that happened in the NBA. So Mark Cuban, I'm just going to give the paraphrasing idea of what happened. Mark Cuban's Dallas team, they had an opportunity to make the play-in game and or make the playoffs. The Dallas Mavericks decided that they were not going to play Kyrie, Luka, and four other starters and the bench. And so the NBA put them under an investigation. The NBA ended their investigation by fining the Dallas Mavericks $750,000. In turn, Mark Cuban, owner that we know, host of Shark Tank, all of those things, he said, all right, bet. I'll take your 750 fine and I'll double it and give another double of that 750 to charity. Bye. Wow. <laughs> I ain't hurting my pocketbook none. Sports is at an interesting time right now, everybody. I want y'all to realize what's going on, okay? When you got an owner that essentially says, I see you're fine. It means nothing to me. I'm going to double what you actually were going to find me and give that other half to charity. Mm-mm. What do you do when it comes to rules now? And I mean, like we could hit him up and see if he wants to give a little bit of it to a five hundred one c three. Since he's in the giving mood, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I knew what the story. I knew what we were supposed to be talking about, but my mind was like, hmm. Well, that is a good question, though. Where does that money go? When people say that they're going to pay a Who? fine. No, but where does that money really go? <laughs> well, I could tell him where we really go if he hits it up with us. I, I can give him a good list. I have a bunch of events that we could we're, do. But we're trying to make a difference. Like, what do you do if you're the commissioner and an owner says to you, All right, bet, give me that 750. That's okay. I'm gonna double that. To me, that's not anything big. And the reason why I say that is because when they find these players, they find these players' pocket change. Oh, he got fined twenty thousand dollars for not wearing the right socks. Well, they don't care they're like i spent that last night at the club what's so what talking how do you, about how do you keep law and order then i'm not worried about a fine then in a you're an organization how are you going to have your organization run properly where everyone has to abide by the same rules play by the same rules if you have some people that don't necessarily care about abiding the rules stop using money your players aren't eligible for any uh, awards or all-stars or anything, something like that. If you make it to the playoffs, you're a game down. 
okay, so this will really. So basically, you're trying to say I want to hit him where it really hurts. Oh, you well, have that, to. That's the only way. Some way you could do it. If the I money mean, doesn't mean a thing. You have billionaires. You are playing poker with billionaires <laughs> who can cash in on that bluff. You can't bluff them with money. Sports is getting more and more interesting because you have Draymond Green who oh, instantly feels he's so awful. That was awful. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, you better say it with yourself then, Snook. I mean, look, the playoffs are a more physical game. And I'm going to do a whole, I'm going to do a whole, my whole thoughts on the playoffs real quick. It's playoffs get more physical as a whole, right? Some fans don't like that. Some fans think, well, why do you play the full season a certain way, ref a certain way, and then the refs allow them to be more physical in the playoffs? I don't know. It's happened since I've been playing. It's happened since the beginning of the time. It gets more physical in the playoffs. Now, when that physicality arises, I saw Shaq made a comment. Go ahead, Snook. You're talking about physicality, but some of the things that have happened don't have anything to do with the game or any basketball moves or anything. And what happened, I don't know if you're referencing the stomping or whatever, if yeah. that happened and you were playing and someone did that, they would have had to have security to get him out of there because that would have really caused mm, our was, family to fun. really hit the floor. <laughs> I'm telling you, hit the floor. Well, here's the thing. I mean, it's tough because before the stomp was the grab. Sabonis grabbed Draymond Green's leg. Draymond Link Green was like, get off of me, boy. Stomped him out. Neither are Okay. I'm okay with either in a sense of like give them both a flagrant and let's keep it moving. I don't want the star players to not be playing in the big moments. In college basketball, we saw a lot of the star players get foul trouble. And while this is warranted, like I get it, you can't have like we just talked about it. You can't have people going crazy and all this and that. But I do understand that there's a certain level of physicality that we've seen in the playoffs that I've enjoyed. I don't want people stomping people out, obviously. I don't want people grabbing people's legs, but I do want that physicality and enjoy that physicality. And so Shaq made a statement that said he would have done the exact same thing if somebody thought that they was going to pull him down, grabbing his leg. Well, it didn't look like it was a pull down to me. It looked like in the tussle that his arms just got tangled up in, you know, in, in the situation. Uh, Them big feet and everything out there. I don't know. Definitely well, not, I Ma. Know, definitely so not. I think you're, yeah. Definitely not. I think you're giving him the benefit of the doubt. But what I, I agree with Renee, I think the physicality goes with it's the playoffs. And with the playoffs comes the bonuses, the perks, the contract cash ins. And so, you know, it becomes a little bit more serious. So I agree. I like seeing the physicality. I like it. I think that it makes it more intense. I think it's more it brings it back to me more of a college mentality, which is what I actually enjoy because college you're playing for the heart, for the soul, for the for the purpose of winning. And so I think that it that's what you kind of see more in the playoffs than you do in the pros. All right. Well look, that's gonna be a conversation that continues to happen as we see more players get fined. Like I believe it was Fred Van Fleet who was like, I don't really care about the fine I'm gonna get. I'm about to talk about these refs because it's unacceptable. We're starting to see players, we're starting to see teams even we're just starting to see a lot of people that are almost saying, all right, well, whatever that fine is, hit me with it. Or even in the moment saying, I know I'm going to get fine, but I'm about to. And then just so as sports develop in all the leagues, we're starting to see where everybody's pushing it a little bit to the edge. So that's something to keep an eye on as we watch these NBA playoffs, as we watch the WNBA and all the other different leagues of sports is dramatically changing, like fundamentally changing. And we're going to talk all about it as it happens. Coming 
have the executive producer, showrunner, and writer of the hit show Bel Air, Carla Banks Waddles. Let's get it. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So we got Carla Banks here. And if you guys don't know, she's the Bel Air executive producer and showrunner. She's a writer. She's a mom. She's all of the above. All the type of people that we like to talk to, she's all of that and more. And so we're excited. Thank you for joining us here on Montgomery & Co. Miss Carla. Sure. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Congrats. Well, first of all, we already know that there's going to be a season three of Bel Air. So I got to say congrats because I'm excited Everyone knows I'm a fan of the show. We had Rashid Newsom last year on talking about season one. So I'm excited to be here season two and it's still thriving. But giving what you can, what should we be looking forward to in the season two finale of Bel Air? Okay, so without giving away <laughs> too much to not spoil too much. I mean, we leave it all on the table uh, at the, for the season finale. Like, um, we did not hold anything back. So I think that you can look forward to um, a lot of storylines coming to a head that you've been waiting for to see what's going to happen. Um, and then also setting up a lot of cliffhangers for what to look forward to in season three. But a lot of the relationship dynamics that people have been talking about, tweeting about with, um, like, Hillary, Jazz, LaMarcus. Uh-huh, and what's Ryan. going on? Um, what's going to happen there, Carlton and his journey, uh, Will and his emotional journey, everything, all the emotions coming to a head in, in everybody's storyline. Oh, bring it on. Cause I need to know everything going on. Like Jazzy, <laughs> like I love Jazzy, but it's just not feeling like it's working. But I'm curious <laughs> though, as you started to be a part of season two and, and, be involved were you already thinking about season three like you know how like every year you have to pretty much well not all shows but some shows it's like you want to get to season three but you got to make sure season two is good enough so is that a thought for like what's the thought process when it comes to that because as we watch shows I'm just gonna be honest like fans will be like oh that was a filler episode or we feel like certain moments or certain seasons set us up for the next season right so how do you balance that when you know that there's another season that could be coming right but you're living in the season right now right no, it's a good question. I think in season one, we knew we had a season two, you know, so there were definitely things where we were like, we're going to save that for season two, you know, and we had a whole little folder of this was, you know, things that we wanted to do in season two. In this season, we didn't know, you know, if there was going to be a season three. <laughs> 
So it's like, just put it all out there because um, we may not be back. We hope to be back, but let, don't hold anything back season two. Like give it all. If we come back into season three, we did set up some, in which now we know we are, that uh, we did in the season setting some things up that we would like to see in season three, but definitely wanting season two to feel like its own season, whether we were going to come back or not. But I think you'll see the way that it ends. We were um, definitely setting things up to give hope, you know, that should we come back, that fans will be like, oh, what's going to happen? You know, so it's it's a little balance of both when you really just don't know. Got you. And you're speaking of hope, you're a writer. So there's certain lines that just stick out as powerful. And for me in season two, there was a quote that stood out to me that said, if no one disrupts the system, the system doesn't change. I felt like that was a line in the show Bel Air, but I felt like that was a line for life. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Viv says that uh, in episode three. Um, and definitely, you know, that episode was full of so much just rich goodness, um, especially from Aunt Viv and knowing what she was fighting for, for that teacher and what she wanted uh, for her children and, and the kind of education that she felt was important. But yeah, just being a disruptor and disrupting the system is definitely something as she goes forward with her own storyline in the season that um, she sort of figures that out for herself, even that sometimes you have to disrupt what's there. Um so yeah, it was it's a it's a good it's a good quote. <laughs> Wait a minute, you just told me episode three. Do you know like every show, every line? You just <laughs> I literally just gave you a random line from the show that stood out to me, and you said, "Oh yeah, episode three. Like, do you know the whole show line by line at this point? You know pretty much. You know when it started <laughs> getting towards the end, like kind of eight, nine, ten, just ran together. Really, like it's like, well, what happened in eight again? Well, no, that was nine. Did that happen in nine? Or did we do that in seven? Um, so a lot of it is you just come like this encyclopedia of all the things. Um, wow. So I started off the season strong, but I didn't, you know, by the time it came to an end, it just kind of became a mush of eight, nine, ten. But yeah, I do feel like I have a lot of the, those details in my head, you know, because you spend so much time mapping out the season and the characters and the stories and, and placing stuff meticulously. So it's sort of just all there. That's crazy. Because I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't just say it was episode three, but... <laughs> I digress. That's amazing because that just tells you like you are in the thick of it and you're not only a producer, but you're also a writer, you're a showrunner. And we watch these scripted shows. We know they're fictional, but even like the quote I just told you, it feels like you're, there's inspiration from real stories. I feel like I know what Aunt Viv, you know, and fighting for her, her struggles. And so when you write and you sit down, are you taking inspiration from people, you know, characters, you know, stories you've read? Yes. I mean, all of that, you know, we obviously, you know, from my story, bringing in stuff, you know, that I've gone through um, and, and the, all the writers, you know, and that's the beauty of the writer's room, everybody coming in and being willing to share. This is my story. This is my pain. Um, you know, this happened to me and, and us really saying, oh, that could be an interesting story for Viv or wow, that could be an interesting story for Carlton. Or how can we turn that into something for our characters? Because it really does com come out of all those personal stories that we share um, in such a vulnerable way. Y'all haven't way. had any best man moments, right? Where your friends are mad at how they're portrayed. Like, girl, I know that's me. And I know that you made this <laughs> off of my character. And I'm like, has that ever happened where people are like, wait a minute, that feels a little familiar. All the time. And sometimes it's like, <laughs> that was not even you. But people will like see themselves in the story and be like, I know that's that time in college when we did the thing. And I was like, that's 
I forgot we did the thing, actually, but no, that's Angela not you. Angela Bassett did the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it happens all the time, which is funny. You know, we try to change all names to protect the innocent, I say, um, because, it, you know, it's like it's a mishmash. And sometimes it is the story and you try to disguise it with, you know, it becomes the female character in the show versus the male character. You know, oh, so you can smart. sort of tuck yeah. the story away and it's not so <laughs> clear you know, what that personal story really is. That reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen, but that documentary Freaknik is coming out and everybody's like, Lord, have mercy. Yes, oh, everybody. They need to change the names and blur the names. (laughs) When you talked about the writers and everybody sharing their experience, I'm not sure how much you can speak on it, but can you talk to us a little bit about the Writers Guild of American Strike that's been on the news lately? Because some people may not be aware, like, can you break down what's happening for people that don't know and how will this affect TV and film industry in the near future? Like, cause a lot of people don't know like what's going on in that space. Yeah. You know, the writers guild of America, which is the union for, for all the writers, TV screenwriters um, it's our contract year. And so we're now coming to the table and negotiating what our new contract is going to look like. Um, and May 1st is our deadline to determine. We just took a big vote, um, strike authorization vote where all the writers say, do you have the right to sort of go forward with the strike? Do you have our permission? mission. And it was like a whopping 97% like, yes, you do, because there's so many things that, um, you know, writers are fighting for and feeling like um, there's so many issues I won't even get into, but just fighting for, you know, the equal pay and for what we do and for younger writers and for the experiences that they're getting and that they're not getting um, as sort of the format of television changes into these smaller orders of 10 um, that we're just not, writers aren't getting the pay and they're also not getting the experience that they get, that they would normally get. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years and starting out where we were doing 20 episodes a season, I was, um, you know, you learn all aspects of the show from the beginning to the end where you're in the writer's room and then you're on set and you're producing your episode and sort of in these short order forms that we're um, at television, writers are moving on from show to show to show and they're not staying. They're just in the writer's room in many cases and they're not learning to uh, produce their episodes or be on set or talk to actors or work with directors or be in the editing bay. And so much of what we do as writers is beyond just the writer's room. So um, right now we're just fighting to protect a lot of that. And um, so so we don't know if it's going to lead to a strike, but May 1st is the deadline for them to sort of figure it all out. And um, hopefully if we have to do it and sort of stand stand behind what we're looking for, that, you know, you hope that it won't last long because people li- people's livelihoods. And um, But I, that 97% vote of yes, if we have to, then we're going to do it, you know? <laughs> That's strong. I mean, it makes me think about, you know, I played in the WNBA 11 years and we have a CBA. So these yep. unions or collective bargaining agreements like those that's going to be a conversation for the WNBA cuz whenever you see these things happen you, I like to always ask somebody that's in the field so that you can explain to them so cuz on the outside world people may like be like what's the problem with WNBA players you're making a decent living and then they don't understand the intricates ins and outs right. and so it also it, you said something that stuck out to me I want 20 episodes a season now. We only get seven or eight. Like, give me 20 Bel Air, please. 45 minutes. Like, when did that shift happen? Honestly, because we literally, like, I'll binge watch a whole show in one day. That used to be like an impossible thing to do. But now, you know, you could put out a whole season at once, which a lot of platforms do. 
And with seven or eight episodes, I'll watch them all and be like, so what now? Like, what, what am I supposed to do? When did that shift happen from like a lot to a little, basically? I know it really, you know, it, those were the old days of network television, you know, which I started in, which we were doing, you know, you'd start out with 13, then you get this back nine order for, you know, a full season of 22 episodes. And that was sort of like um, the thing that we were all striving for. Honestly, I mean, I just can't even understand how we did because 10 episodes of television, I'm like, I'm done. You know, I'm wiped out. I can't, I can't imagine. But I think that transition from, you know, to cable and then ultimately streaming, we just saw those orders going from 10, sometimes eight episodes a season. And it's just sort of um, just sort of the television landscape that we're in now. Those 22 episodes of network television are disappearing. right back with more from Carla Banks Waddles. You, like me, and a lot of others, I saw that you had said something along the lines of, just finished episode three of Succession, and I cannot. So... (laughs) So I can't either. Please, what are your talk to me? Because this is the thing about television. I do this online when it comes to shows like Bel Air, but Succession, man. Tell, what are we feeling? How are we feeling? Oh, are you a fan? Are you caught up? You know what's happening and all I'm that stuff. Up. I'm caught okay. up. They done tried to kill pops and everything. I'm caught up. Spoiler alert, people. Fur, 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 fur. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had to tweet about that. And I don't tweet about other shows often, but you know, in this world of social media, so much gets spoiled for you right before you get to it. And I'm always behind on television. So stuff, Same. I'm never watching it when everybody else is watching it. And for some reason that night, I watched season three or episode three of Secession the day it came out. Right. And so, so it was so beautiful for me just to experience it as just a pure viewer of not knowing what was going to happen. I had no idea that moment was coming. And I just it just unfolded for me in such a beautiful way in real time. Um, <laughs> but the writing of that episode, quite you know, when you're jealous of something, like, I wish I would have wrote that. That's just how I felt, you know. And kudos to Jesse Armstrong, showrunner, because like that, ep- and he wrote that episode, was just, um, it was just perfection on so many levels. Like, I watched it over and over. I, I rewound to other scenes and just, you know, it's, I read everybody else's tweets because those characters, <laughs> you know, these are characters that you should not like, but somehow you were still rooting for them and you were just somehow in the pain with them. Roman, somehow <laughs> Roman doesn't like, I don't know what it is about Roman, but I'm like, oh, I should not like Roman. I agree, but that's a lot. That's saying a lot coming from a showrunner yourself, an executive producer, a writer yourself. So that makes me wonder like what things do you like what components are needed to make a good show you know like clearly writing is a thing which is why I asked you about the writers but 
are there other dynamics that it's like just draw like that you try to tap into that draws people in or just what are those elements of a good show? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much. I think for me, first of all, it just has to feel authentic, you know, and that does come from some of those conversations in the writer's room. If this happened to me, like if it happened to you, probably happened to somebody else, like you aren't alone. (laughs) And so I think, you know, good television comes from just being showing real things that people go, wow, like I may have not ever seen that on television before or that is me and nobody has spoken to that and just so that it feels real and I think a lot of the conversations like around Carlton and his mental health journey and the frustrations with that and how it's not just a linear um, thing it's not just I'm on the road to to goodness it's like two steps forward three steps back so just making all those journeys and all those stories feel authentic and then I think also you know we talk about subverting expectations and um, not wanting to surprise wanting to surprise the audience you know the audience says today and special people who love television like yourself they see things coming yeah I want that plot twist baby <laughs> And you don't want that, you know, because, you know, TV viewers are smart and you want to like think you want them to think they know what's coming and then give them something else. And, you know, that it's always a delight when that happens and you're just like, oh, I didn't see that coming, you know. And so I think trying to um, make it feel authentic, but also make it feel exciting and make it feel unexpected, you know, make it a fun ride. I love that. And so season three, we know it's been greenlit. So what are your thoughts just heading into that? Like, you know, like I know that you're in the thick of it with season two, but just like, you know, you still have to still be thinking about season three. So just heading into season three, what are your thoughts, feelings? Yeah. Well, season three, thoughts and feelings. (laughs) I mean, so (laughs) much uh, the way we end it, you know, there's so much where we're like, oh, we got to figure that out. Like you kind of write yourself into a hole. You're like, whoo, we got to figure that out. But um, so much of the way it ends in an emotional way for the family, um, uh, for Carlton in particular, I think coming back in season three, that we'll be able to come back and say, not only does Carlton need fixing, the whole family needs fixing, and the whole family <laughs> the whole can family sort of... the whole family therapy, Carla, put them all <laughs> in it together. Right, it, all together. Because it's easier to be like, you got the problem, you're the one, but like when you hold the mirror up to yourself, you're like, yep. maybe there's some things that we're not dealing with, that I'm not dealing with, or in my own relationships. So having it sort of come back and have the entire family realize that um, you know, we got some work to do. We could be better. We could all, we're, we're all not okay. You know, and just seeing what that journey looks like for them um, and wanting to have some joy because as much as we have these authentic conversations and we want the show to be meaningful and be about something and, and be nuanced and, and be blackety black and talk about the culture and all these things that we want the show to be, we also just want it to be fun, you know, and so making sure that we're not losing sight of the joy that this family has and that these young people have. Um, so just trying to find that balance of all of that coming back in season three. I love it. I'll be waiting on a cameo. I want to be up in there, okay? All that black, 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 black. I'll be waiting. Listen, I'm here for it, but I want to get your top five because I'm in the sports world, right? And I ask people all the time, I have coaches on. I'm like, who are your top five coaches? I have players on. Who's the top five hardest players you've had to guard? I want to ask you who's your top five, but we're going to be in the entertainment industry. So I'm going to start with top five 
favorite TV writers, just in general, because you just shouted out Jesse when you talked about Succession. We'll get to showrunners, but I want to get three categories of your top five, starting with writers. Okay. Well, let me go to my sister circle because we have come up in this <laughs> game together. You know, like I said, I've been doing this for 20 plus years and there's some that I've started with and there's some, you know, some, some powerful black women writers that I've started with and just picked up along the way. Like, how are you doing that we check on each other? So if I'm going to give a top five, I'm going to say... I'm going to give a shout out to um, Janika and Jashika James, who are also okay. uh, their twins, their sisters and uh, <laughs> sisters, and they're writers <laughs> with me now on Bel Air. They've been in this game for a while. I'm going to give a shout out and say Maisha Clausen, who has um, been in this game for a while, started out in half hour comedy with me and is now doing drama um, and running Truth Be Told on Apple um, I will say uh, Ramallah Muhammad, who is a showrunner of Reasonable Doubt. Oh, come on now. <laughs> Started off in Shondaland on Grey's and Scandal. Um, and let's see, I'm going to say, ooh, there's so many. See, I knew that you would have the answer. This is dope. Shout them out. So what are we at? Four? The twins counted as one, actually. You can have two more. If the, twi if the twins count as one, you can have two more. <laughs> Two more. Okay. Then I'm going to say Esther Lou Withers, who was a writer with me on Good Girls. Um, she's just a fabulous uh, producer and writer. By the way, Miss Carla, I love all your shows, by the way. Like I, I like all the other shows you've done in the past. We're focusing on Bel Air right now, but we watch Good oh, Girls. Obviously, That's So Raven is all my jam. Grew up in that. So just so you oh, shout them out because yes. we're fans. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. Um, and then I think finally, Beli Bowser, who, you know, famous in this in this industry, created Living Single in her 20s, gave me my first job, Ooh. is still a mentor today. So, you know, she's fitting to be the, that fifth and final, you know, Love just that. Couldn't, couldn't be here without her. <laughs> Love that. Shouts to Living Single and all of that, because we know yes. that's our friends, basically. So Living Single, that's our friends, basically, and that's yes. the world. But Let's talk about TV shows, top five, because I love hearing it from you. Like, there's shows we could love, but then if you love it, it's like, okay, this show is written well, produced well, all of that. So top five shows. Ooh, okay. Top five. They're probably not what you would expect. <laughs> love it. Plot twist me. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put Secession in that because, I mean... Again, a lot of the shows that are in that top five are things that you watch with and go, I wish I would have wrote that. Like, why could not have figured that out? <laughs> you know, how kind of, you know, that you're better, that, that feel aspirational. And I feel like there's a show called Money Heist that um, isn't it? It's a Spanish language show and it's on Netflix. Seen it. You've seen it. And it just for me, just in terms of a character study um, and, and who those it just it being a very character driven show and going back and finding out so much about those characters and their their backstory. I would say um, that's that's up there for me in terms of like storytelling done well. Um, I would say Ozark is also a favorite <laughs> just in terms of the, the heightened crime family. Um, insecure. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and Prentice were able to do with that show and just like holding up a mirror to, um, you know, what black females look like in friendship and, and just that mirror that we didn't know we needed, as I say. Um, and how many was that? That was four. That was four. Um, 
There's so many. It's hard. You mean just throw Bel Air in there, number five? I'm going to put Bel Air in there. Of I'm course, a... Bel Air is in you there. You can't pick your own, though, <laughs> but I know what you're saying. I like what you did, though, because Money Heist, no one would have ever expected you to say, I watched that. It's one of those shows I binged watch straight through. Um, but I love that because character driven is something that you also pointed out. So, character driven, good writing. And I want to go back and ask you something real quick. Is it different? writing for a kid's show that's so raven as opposed to now you've done good girls and different things of that nature like what, what how right. much different is it writing for those type of shows yeah very different i think early on you know i just sort of i took all sorts of jobs so when you look at my resume it's all over the place and there was definitely a time i was in that disney nickelodeon world and writing for children <laughs> Um, you know, it, and it's very different, you know, first of all, multi-camera half hour comedy, which is where I started. Um, it's all in, in the, which those shows all were. And it was definitely all about the joke. Um, in the case of That's So Raven, it was all about, you know, we used I Love Lucy as a prototype for that show a lot. Like how, what kind of weird, tricky situations can we get her in? And what kind of, how can we dress Lucy. her up? You know? <laughs> well, wacky. <laughs> kind of thing to we get. So it was all about that big set piece. And, you know, what can we do, you know, to give Raven that big wacky set piece? And, you know, Raven Simone was a comedy genius and she nailed it week to week. And, you know, it was it was fun, you know. So you're writing towards something or you're writing in the case of half hour multi-camera and kid shows, three jokes a page, you know, the setup and the joke, the setup and the joke. And it's, it's good training, but, you know, that training coming to one hour, very different. It's not about the joke. You know, I think everything I write is going to have a little lighthearted spin to it, or I'm going to find some comedy in it, but it's definitely more about the characters and feeling a little more authentic to the way people actually talk and live and experience life. Um, so just very different in the, the writer's room, the discussion, very different. A lot of stand-up comics in those comedy spaces, even for kids, you know, that are all about the joke because that's yeah, what that definitely. is, yeah. I was cracking up growing up. Listen, Ms. Carla, you are welcome here anytime, any show. Thank this you. is a home for you because I feel like I love everything that you produce, but I also just love that you're doing it at such a high level. So congrats on season three. If y'all haven't, you better check out Bel Air. Come on now, get with it. We're on season two right now, season three coming out. Thank you so much for joining us here on Montgomery & Co. Oh, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. All right, y'all, that's all we have for today. And man, I love being able to not only talk to experts in their field about their field, because that's exactly what Carla Banks Waddles is. She's an expert. She's credible, but she's also so thoughtful because, you know, in sports, we talk about longevity is the test of time, you know, like, and nobody can beat father time, but longevity is the test of time when you're talking about greatness and doing amazing things in your field. And she's had shows from when I was growing up, I enjoyed from That's So Raven to now as an adult, I love Bel Air. So she's definitely withstood the test of time. And I love that she's each one teach one, that type of model, because that's how we feel here at Montgomery and Company, where it's a generational thing. See y'all next week. <laughs>
From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.